today we're talking to Alex Berman. He is the co-founder of Experiment 27. He is also the co-founder of Taplio and the author of The Cold Email Manifesto. Alex, did I miss any titles in there? I also run LeadShark, which is a lead generation database. Cool. First question out of the gate. Just curious to know, what got you so interested in cold email? You've admitted on your Twitter feed that you're a cold email nerd. What got me interested in cold? I've had such a relationship with cold email because when I was in college, I knew absolutely nobody. I went to school in Naples, Florida, and I wanted to get a job in either Silicon Valley or New York City. And I knew the only way I was going to get a job, like my parents didn't have any connections or anything, was I was just going to have to find and contact these people. And so I went down that rabbit hole and found cold email kind of that way. Moved to New York with no connections, ended up sending some emails and getting my first job within two weeks, knowing absolutely nobody in New York City. So from there, I understood the power of it. And then after that, the job was making cold calls and you know doing outreach. So I learned you know more that way. And then I ended up basically being the director of marketing at an agency where we grew with cold email, then the director of marketing at a, a lead generation startup that also grew or at 1.5, 1.7 million a month, just selling leads at one point through cold email. So I love it, man. It's a superpower. And then I kind of fell out of love with it for a little while because I realized it was like maybe too simple or too nerdy or whatever. But in recent years, like maybe the last year-ish, I realized that it's it's the number one leveling agent you know, for anybody around the world. doesn't matter what race you are, what country you are, how much money you have in the bank. As long as you have a computer or access to a computer and a, a Gmail account, you can connect with major people. And that's why I love cold email. It's it's the the leveling up aspect of it. Anybody can get on this. Anybody can make money with this. And it's not like paid ads where it requires an investment. It's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. There was an analogy in your book that you wrote, which was that if you have the ability to cold email and you have the internet connection, you can basically make anything happen. You can get out of any problem. I will admit I I wasn't that hot on cold email before, but after I read that, I thought, actually, that, that's quite true. Quite a scalable skill if you're good at it. Yeah, exactly. It's just outreach. you know. Um, and if somebody's listening to this, they don't know what cold email is. It's sending an email to somebody that doesn't know you, pitching your product or service to them in a way that gets them to buy. So it's not spamming. It's not anything that you might have heard, You know, sending thousands or hundreds of thousands of emails. A lot of the times it's just sending one personalized message to somebody and pitching yourself in the right way. And in, in, in that way, it is. It is like a, the ultimate safety net. You know, I, f- I felt like I was retired even with like 3000 bucks a month coming in because I always knew that if I needed money, I could cold email my way out of any problem. Yeah, it reminds me. I think one of the guys from Phantom Buster said, you don't need a database when you have Phantom Buster. The whole world is your database <laughs> now. So if you put these two ideas together, I guess quite a good combination. Curious to know, when it comes to cold email, is there anyone who's a really poor fit for this type of marketing activity? Yeah. So the best fits for cold email are anyone that sells to other businesses. So if you're selling B2C to consumers, I know spam emails do work for them, but it's just not something that I touch. So selling to other businesses, and usually the price needs to be over $2,000 lifetime value, which you'd think would remove a lot of software as a service startups. But the way that we get around it, like for Taplio and for LeadShark, we use cold email to, to grow our businesses. We just increase the deal size. So instead of for LeadShark selling like a $9 a month package, we sell the enterprise level package, which is anywhere from 1500 to 4500 a month plus. So we book meetings with big guys and we sell them on big packages. Same with Taplio, we book meetings with, you know, instead of $49 a month, we sell them 
on uh, team plans where we're selling like 40 seats, 50 seats. So you can pivot it. But yeah, if your product is worth less than 2000 then it makes sense to use any other thing like organic marketing, blog posts, uh, <laughs> literally anything that's that's not cold, cold email. Um, it's a very labor intensive process. You're having to book meetings with people. You're having to write emails. You're having to do lead generation. There's, there is a money, you know, a dollar investment that's, that's needed to clean the data and stuff like that. So uh, it just makes sense to, to have it be a little bit higher price products that you're selling. Got it. I think I actually messaged you on Twitter or I tweeted at you about this particular topic. And I originally thought, as you mentioned, if it's under two grand, then it's not worth doing. But when you put it that way, it makes sense. If you're a, a founder CEO and you want to grow your accounts list, you can just target really large accounts. And so even if you have a $50 a month product, if you know a large company needs 100 seats, then it's worth doing. And this has helped us pivot our startups too. Like Taplio, we started as just one-to-one. It was just for CEOs to write content on LinkedIn using AI, like write a month of LinkedIn content in 10 minutes. But then uh, Garam, the CEO of Lemless joined and he signed up his entire team. So now all of them are on there. So our thing kind of pivoted. Now it's like, you know, this is how you can get millions of impressions on your brand for only a couple hundred dollars a month. So we've kind of pivoted it that way, but that allows us into the enterprise market. And now everything that we're doing with the product is enterprise focused, like, you know, multi-seat tracking and like different analytics dashboards. You can watch everybody on your team and what they're posting. Like all of the whole product roadmap has changed now because we want to use cold email to grow. That's super cool. I'm actually connected to a couple of people at Lemlist. And now that I think of it, maybe a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing coming out on their Instagram at the moment is influenced by Taplio. Might be, especially on LinkedIn. Yeah, it makes sense. Cool. So when getting to cold email, what is the first things that people should have in place? I know that you shouldn't just jump in and start emailing as many people as you can. What do you recommend people get right first? First three questions you have to ask, or the first three things you want to really hone in on are, who is your target? What is your offer? And what is your case study? Target means like, you know, who, who are we actually selling to? Is it directors of marketing in the United States at companies over uh, 200 employees? Is it directors of IT at companies with over $2 million, but under a billion dollars in revenue? Like what is the actual target industry, job title, and location? And then the second thing is the offer, which is, you know, we know who we're selling to, what are we selling them at a high level? You know, is it a lead generation database? Is it LinkedIn tool? Is it a lead generation agency? Is it copywriting? Is it web design? What is the thing we're actually selling? And then the third part is what is the case study? So if you tell me, for instance, that you do, that you host podcasts for people, then my question would be, how are you good at it? How do you know that you can host podcasts for people? And then your answer would be, oh, I've hosted a podcast with X number of episodes and they've generated this much traffic. So that case study statement backs up the offer. And as soon as you have all three of those, you got your target, you have your offer, you have your case study, then you can write a solid cold email pitch. Typically the cold emails follow the three C's, which is compliment case study and call to action where you know we come in and open with a compliment. So like, hey, Benjamin was just listening to the episode you did with you know XYZ person, really loved what you're up to. Then case study. So I do lead generation for podcast hosts, and I would love to book you solid with guests. Then case study, which is, you know, recently I worked with Entrepreneur on Fire and I booked them Tim Ferriss, Gary Vee, and 200 other guests in the last three weeks. And then the call to action. Mind if I send over a few times to chat further? And that's the email. And the stronger your case study is, the more niche your case study is, you can see the higher the response rate's going to be on the email. So it all comes down to, um, 
being good at your craft, having some good backbone and a good offer. And then if you have that, then you can pitch and, and the clients just come. This is super tactical. And I've actually started using it a lot myself as you were on the experiencing side of it when I send you an email about this podcast. But there's a lot to unpack there. When it, when it comes to the target, I think there may be an, a temptation to try and blanket an entire organization and hit five people at the same time. What are your thoughts? I think the the goals of the email are going to be different depending on the person. So for instance, let's say you're targeting and it's something to do with, with HR or recruiting. So to the CEO, you might talk about their hiring problems, but to the director of HR, you might talk about you know the annoyance of doing the interviews. The CEO doesn't really care about the interviews very much because he's not taking them, but the person in HR might care about them. So for every job title, the email and the, the problem statement is going to be slightly different. So I, I recommend hitting one job title at a time. And it really depends on who you think is going to be the most interested in it. If I'm in doubt at all of who it's going to be, I'll aim as high as possible. So especially at smaller companies under 200 employees, it, it's always best to just go straight with the CEO. Got it. And do you have any tips around writing good compliments so it doesn't come across as inauthentic? <laughs> yeah, the biggest mistake that most people make is, well, there's two mistakes, right? Going too general and going too broad. So like, too general would be, hey, Benjamin, huge fan for a long time. Keep up the great work. <laughs> and then too, uh, not too broad, too specific would be like, hey, Benjamin, I was, I've been following you on Twitter for three years. Really loved the posts that you made in 2019 about your dog. He's really cute. Uh, I also listened to 15 of your podcast episodes and I love XYZ about all of them. That's too much, right? Too many sentences. The perfect hybrid of that is just something short and sweet. So like, hey, Benjamin, came across the podcast recently and loved the episode you did with XYZ. It's short, it's sweet, it gets them right in there. God, it makes sense. I can see why going too specific, you sort of get into the creepy territory there where mm -hmm. you're thinking, this guy's a stalker, if they message something like that. It's the creepy territory, and then you also will lose the thread of the email a lot of the times too. There's AI first line writing tools out there now, but some of these AI first lines will ask questions in the first line. So it's like, hey, Benjamin, I heard the podcast with XYZ person. How was that interviewing him? And then you go into the into the email, but I don't know if you're uh, into copywriting at all, but the, the purpose of a good landing page, right? You're, you really only want one call to action in the landing page. And it's the exact same in a cold email. So once you start adding three, four questions to the email, the conversion rate drops. Even adding one more question will tank the conversion rate. So you just really want that last one in there. Yeah, that sounds really key. Once you get to the case study part, how do you make a smooth transition between the compliment and the case study? Because it, it appears that you could go for a fairly hard break. For example, hey, I just tried Taplio, really awesome stuff. I just used it yesterday to punch out this many posts on LinkedIn. By the way, I do this. Do you want help with that? Is there a way to make that transition smoother? Yeah, I specialize in huge fan of Taplio, love everything you guys are doing, awesome growth so far. I help business owners get booked on hundreds of podcasts. You know, Recently, I helped XYZ person do this. That's the smooth transition. It's just intro, right? Like, uh, tell them why you're emailing them. You've buttered them up. Now tell them exactly why you're emailing them. One mistake a lot of people make too is they forget that sentence and they jump right into the case study. So they're like, hey, mm -hmm. love the podcast, love whatever. Recently I did this thing and would love to help you do, do the same. But people won't get to the end. I would love to help you do the same part. They need that context in between. <laughs> Compliment, you know, then as part of the case study, you tell them what you do, then tell them why you're qualified and then that's it. Got it. it. Makes a lot of sense. The case study part, I think, was really quite interesting because 
if anyone watches your YouTube channel, it's one of the main things that comes up again and again when you do cold email teardowns. And you can really see the before and after of how those emails become so much better when you have a case study. Did you have any advice or tips for people who don't have a case study and need to make one or are unsure about how to make a case study out of their existing results? Sure. The main question that I would ask is how do you know that you're qualified to do this? So you tell me you want to be a copywriter. How are you qualified? And then your answer is the case study. Like, oh, I'm qualified because I ran, you know, ClickFunnels pages and we've generated $2 million in revenue in the last year. Like, I'm qualified because I worked for XYZ person and we managed his funnels for two years. That's where the case study comes from. It's that qualification statement. And they'll get better over time. You know, that doesn't have to be a solid, you know, awesome case study off the bat, but you have to start somewhere. For instance, when I was, okay, my first case study, when I was getting that job in New York City, my case study was how I'd launched an ebook and took it to 300 sales in three months. So that was something that I did completely on my own, but I was trying to do marketing. So that's a good marketing case study, even, even though it's tiny. And then from there, you know, you get that job, then you get another case study, and then you just kind of trade up. And you can trade up extremely fast, too, if you just know how to twist your stories or sell your stories in the right way. Yeah, if you really focus on getting a case study for that particular thing, it makes sense that you'll eventually have a really good one. Do you find that the messages should be different based on the platform? So I imagine a lot of people will be trying to do cold outreach via LinkedIn or Twitter or another platform. LinkedIn and cold email is pretty similar. The actual connection request itself, what works for us on LinkedIn is sending just a generic request. A lot of people will try to like, you know, hey, huge fan of you. I really feel like we should connect. But what we found in our testing is just sending a connection request has almost 100% connect rate. So writing anything custom actually decreases conversion rates of just sending them the connection request. It really comes down to your profile looking good. Like I know when I, when I connect with somebody on LinkedIn, it's almost 100% chance they're going to they're gonna connect back. And it doesn't matter, like major CEOs, like whoever. It just comes down to your profile picture and your, and your profile there. So that's the big difference between email and LinkedIn is your profile matters more on LinkedIn than it does on email. That, but the message that you send after, so normally on, on LinkedIn, we will connect with people. And then the message we send after is very similar to the cold email, you know, compliment, hey, here's what we do. Mind if I send over a few times to chat? Very similar script. Got it. It's quite tragic, actually, because I had learned after a lot of heartache of getting everyone to do custom outreach messages that when we switched to no message, they got accepted at the same rate. So it could have saved all that time by not doing any custom LinkedIn messages. That's why you test. That's 100% why you test. Like You can't learn everything from podcasts. I tried to put everything I know into this book, and this stuff has been basically the same since 2019. That's how I knew it was time to write a book. Because I don't know if it's going to stay relevant for the next five years, but it's been relevant for two years at least. So it'll probably be relevant for the next two years. But that's why you have to test all this stuff on your own. Because for certain offers, you don't even need a custom first line or a custom case study. For certain offers, you can just blast right into the offer. You know, like, hey, Mark, I'm a banker and I have approved you for a business loan of $200,000. Is that something you might be interested in? You know, like there's no, there's no compliment needed in that kind of email. So it really just depends on, on what you're selling. It'll, it'll totally uh, change. The best thing that you can do is test. Got it. Very cool. Something you talk about in your book, which I was surprised to see was in there, was actually how to scale up from basically DIY into a full team. I'm so glad you read the book, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Are you comfortable sharing some of your tips around this? 
Sure. The main piece of advice that I can give with scale is the big mistake that most people make is they have their cold email process. They're running everything themselves and doing the sales calls and closing the deals. And then they want to hire somebody to do the exact same thing that they're doing. They want somebody to send the cold emails and hop on the sales calls and close the deals, like do everything they're doing. And the problem with doing that is those all-in-one salespeople are either running their own agencies or they're very expensive because they understand the whole process. So what works instead is to break everything down into pieces, right? If you are the founder and you're strongest on the sales calls, then outsource both the lead generation and the email sending and possibly even a third hire just for the appointment setting. That way it's it's a little more separate. I know right now for Lead Shark, for our, we're doing a, I call it a cold email bonanza where we send 10,000 emails out with 50 different scripts to find the winning one. So for that one, we have one person doing the lead generation, one other person queuing the emails, and then a third person who's me in this case, writing the emails themselves. So it's it's not one role. If we had hired one person to do that role, they'd be very expensive and it, it, they would leave. Because uh, for any business you want, you want scalability. You want that lead generator to be with you for six months or it's even six years, like a long time. You want that lead generator to be with you for a long time and they're going to leave if they understand that they can book meetings themselves and all this stuff. So that's that's my main advice is, is fragment it as you scale up. Got it. And having seen so many people run cold email programs and teams, have you noticed that there are some key areas that people tend to waste time or make a lot of mistakes? Yeah, the number one thing that they mess up with on their cold email campaigns is the case study thing. And I like that you're hounding into it so much, but some of these guys try to send cold emails before they're they're ready or they don't understand their market and they try to send something that nobody wants to large lists. Like you hear about cold email, the, the gut thing is like, all right, let me just build a list of 20,000 and I'll just blast it out and see what happens. But the problem is the person thinking that is not writing an optimized script and most likely not selling anything that anybody wants. Or if they do sell something that somebody wants, they're not selling it in a way that gets them to read it. So jumping in too fast is a big mistake. And then another big mistake that people make is trying to customize too much. Similar to what you guys were doing on LinkedIn. I would rather you write 50 cold emails from scratch, right? One, two, three, like points, one, two, three, then sit there and write 50 first lines from scratch to customize the first line of a cold email. It'll take almost the same amount of time, but you'll have a lot more data. Notice when I said I was doing the cold email bonanza, each one of these 50 cold emails is completely different. Like one of them is one sentence. One of them starts with like, hey, my girlfriend was telling me about your company. Another one is like custom compliment. Another one's AI first line. Another one's like, is this the right person to contact? Because you can get the perfect script or I can tell you the perfect script, but every niche is different. Every target audience is different and every business is different. So you could go out there and sell exactly what X27 is selling, which is managed lead gen. But if you sell it with the same exact scripts that we're selling it to, to the same audience, somehow one of us is going to do better than the other one. And it's because there are factors outside of our control. So if it's going to come down to luck and if it's going to come down to finding that you know, winning uh, combination, then the only thing you can really do is try a lot of different things. Got it. Is there such a thing as second chances in cold email? So say, for example, someone listening. This is not me, by the way, but I have heard of this happening. Someone's gone ahead and they've just spent the last week blasting 800 people with no case study, no compliment, cold email. And they think, oh, actually, those are really good contacts. I'd love to do it properly. Do they get a second chance? Yeah. Here's my question for you. What's the name of the last person that sent you a terrible cold email? Yeah, good question. <laughs> what company were they from? 
roughly about them, but I don't know the name. So we are we are inconsequential, you know, in the grand scheme of That's things. It. You think you're on the blacklist, but really you're not even on a list. You're not even, <laughs> you're not uh, even they, on the they most likely deleted it or marked it as spam without even thinking twice about you. That's funny. That's such a great answer. And I think that's probably good relief for a lot of people listening, as provided they're not ending up in spam or have damaged their setting uh, reputation with anything like that. Well, even that, if you're doing it the right way, that shouldn't happen. Because what we always do with our cold email campaigns is you never send from your main domain. So I would never send a cold email blast from taplio.com. You know, I spent 2000 bucks on this domain. I'm not going to lose this domain, right? So I'll send from taplioHQ.com or taplio.co or wearetaplio.com, and all of those forward back to the main website. But what happens there, it's it's a safety measure. Like, let's say Vishal or somebody on my team sends with a typo, we end up in spam. Who cares? You know, it's 12 bucks for another domain. So that's the the main thing that I would do if I was worried about that. And actually, in all cases, you always want to protect that main domain name. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And yeah, definitely worth the $12 for another domain versus burning up your key domain and having all the emails internally start bouncing as well. That's mm-hmm. terrible. For CTAs, do you recommend where you can just basically go for the kill or what's some other good CTAs to aim for here in the B2B space? So for example, should you be aiming for like, hey, are you interested in this to get a reply? Or hey, would you be interested in calling about this? Or hey, here's my Calendly link. So I don't like sending... Okay, so this comes back down to testing it because certain industries, uh, different things work. What I've found is across industry, Calendly links underperform everything because it comes down to the to the call to action thing. So think about the Calendly like a landing page, right? You get them to click the link and now what's on the next page of the Calendly? 400 buttons, right? So many options. So now you're not dealing with you know one button, yes or no. You're dealing with now they've got 400, they're not going to book. Um, or there it's a much lower chance. So what it, what I instead do is, yeah, all the emails are a version of like, mind if I send over a few times to chat or interested, let me know and I can send over a few times, things like that. Get, get them to the meeting. And if you wanted to try some other ones, it would be things like interested, let me know and I can send over some info. And then if they're like, yeah, send the info, you could say, sure, all the info is over at leadshark.com. How are you at Thursday at 3 p.m. for a chat? But what I like to do is just get them to the meeting as quick as possible with as little context as possible. That way the sales team can just grind them out. Uh, Because what's cool about email versus any of the other marketing channels, it's not Facebook ads, right? Where you have to qualify them on the back end. These are companies that have the exact revenue you want. You know, it's the exact job title you want. A lot of times if you're doing like tool search, you know, they even have like a competitor's tool on their website installed. Like these are qualified leads. You don't really need anything besides the yes and to get them on the calendar. And if there's some confusion on the call, all it'll take is a sentence or two of explanation and then they're warmed up. It's such a great point about there being too many options on the Calendly page. I hadn't thought of that. I wonder if it's there's actually something there where if you test having less calendar options open, it's easier for people to make a choice. That would be interesting. Maybe. I've sent a lot of emails. That's how I've done <laughs> so much, bro. But no, this came from, we were pitching Hollywood execs for a long time, like you know, TV land and all these kind of uh, TV companies. And what we found is the the emails aren't managed by the people that were getting the emails. So a lot of times it's an assistant and then the guy or the, the executive might not have even seen a computer in 20 years. You know, like they're not reading their emails. They're not even like thinking about computers at all. So if they so they're not going to figure out a Calendly, 
the assistant is Hollywood type, you know, like an artist type. I'm going to say they're focused on their art. They don't know Calendly. They don't know these fancy tools that Silicon Valley uses. And so it's, it's not going to work. And it's the same in manufacturing. It's the same in like, if they have a bad website, they're not going to be able to figure out a Calendly link. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Makes a lot of sense. Second last question, just before we go. What are your thoughts on using emojis, uh, GIFs, and mass personalized video? I know Lemless is really good at this with using a lot of GIFs and personalized video, but what are your thoughts? I don't mind GIFs in the follow-up or in the actual email themselves. It just has to be, it has to be natural. We've got one email that we're testing, I think, with a couple emojis in there. You know, like every line kind of has an emoji. To me, it seems spammy, but I always like the data to speak for itself. The videos themselves, I've personally closed deals with with videos as well, but I don't think it's worth the effort that it takes to put in. It works really well when they do it. And it works really well when a somebody with experience does it. But what I've seen when I see people try to take personalized photos is like poor lighting, you know, like weirdly angled selfies, text that doesn't look good on the image and look really fake. And so that kills your conversion rate. So for most people, if you don't know what you're doing, I wouldn't start with the advanced tactics that personalization takes. So I, I would just stick to the three C's. Yeah, unfortunately, I can tell you from experience that if it's poorly executed, it comes across in creepy land again with the you know the the typical handwritten message on a on a white piece of paper, and it doesn't look quite right, which is a bit of a shame. In an ideal world, it would work, and it does work when the consultants say it. You know, and if you look at the pictures on Lemlist, where it's like a nice, well lit picture of Guillermo, where like one of the girls on his team, like, yeah, of course that works. But that's not what people are sending when they send their personalized images. I know I'm, I have them in my inbox all the time. They're creepy. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's good when the pros do it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Where can people learn more about you and, and get your book? Sure. If you want to grab the book, it's over at coldemailmanifesto.com. It's only, uh, as of right now, only 99 cents on Amazon. So it's the cheapest cold email material out there cheaper than any course, cheaper than anything out there. So it's got everything in there. You, you know, you read it. It's crazy valuable. So just check out coldemailmanifesto.com. And then if you want to uh, grow on LinkedIn, then go on over to taplio.com. You can get the free trial there. Create a month of LinkedIn content in 10 minutes. Perfect. Amazing. I'll make sure I put all the links in the show notes as well. Otherwise, Alex, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Benjamin. 